in a world full of straight people. Aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? And so much more. Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. Danny Franzese is finally here. It's fi he's finally here. Let, let's introduce you properly. I mean, many moons ago, I had the pleasure of working with this gentleman in his, his hit show, The Jersey Shoresicle. But he's best known, of course, for playing Damien in Mean Girls. You've seen him in, in movies like Bully and Conviction and Recovery Road and his YouTube series, Shit Italian Mom Say. And he's a beloved member of the World of Wonder family now That's as the right. host of the podcast. Yes, Jesus. Yeah. Daniel, hi. <laughs> hi. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. This is so long overdue. We're so happy to have you. Oh, it's exciting to me. It was like, what am I doing this morning? Oh, I'm going to be in homophilia. I was like stoked. I was like, good morning. Yay. We love it. We love it. How is your holiday it's season it's, so far? It's a grand rising. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my holiday season was good. I actually, I was with some old cast members of ours, Matt, uh, Kimmy Gatewood and Rebecca Johnson, and at their, like, Friendsgiving. Oh, amazing. And that was really fun. I used to go to their Friendsgiving over Cute. the years on and off whenever I stay in L.A., and they hadn't done it in six years. I happened to be here, and I went. And, you know, there are two couples, and one husband's last name is Johnson, and the other the other, the other couple's wife's last name is Johnson. So we always do charades and stuff to Johnson's first and nonsense. And I brought a friend with me whose last name happened to be Johnson, and he fit right in. And it was like a real holiday moment. I forgot his last name was Johnson. And it was so funny because they were missing one Johnson, and then there he was. It was a holiday dream moment. So it was nice. Wow. Did you win? Connecting so with friends, had... making memories. Who won? Johnson's? All the Johnson's you needed. I don't remember. Because you know what? It's really about the play. It's really about playing. It's about game. the game. It's about the love it's of the game. It's about the journey. Yeah. 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 We're yeah, what else do you have me. cooking for the holidays? Um, I'm I'm gonna go to London, uh, Dragon UK, which I'm very excited. Right after the holiday, excellent. I'm doing, I'm doing a little singing. I'm doing a little comedy here and there, sprinkled around, like, uh, but trying to just get to the finish line and you know just relax on my mom's couch and watch the Gilded Age and eat her cooking. Love it. Like I'm oh. trying to make it to that finish line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right there with yeah. you. I, that's, I'm. That's literally the finish line I want is your mom's <laughs> yeah. couch watching the Gilded Age. What, think, what else are you watching? Oh well, she's been because the Gilded Age is so good. She's been going back to watch Downton Abbey, and now she's like telling me I need to see that. I haven't never watched it. Really? Oh, yeah. It just was like a cultural blip, I guess for me. It's like, and then now we're gonna watch it together. It'll be her second watching, so. I'll have her full narration. Okay. You know, she'll be like, oh, God. he's from the downstairs and she's from the upstairs. And I'll just get that like the whole way through. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's the perfect way to see it. And that, <laughs> I mean, that is some cozy holiday viewing that you're in for. 
Yeah, I'm sad. We always pick something to binge. I'm also going to get her into Mad Men. She hasn't tried that yet. Mm. Oh, nice. I like to, like, the last week before I leave, give her the first week of a series that has, like, 11 seasons. Great. Because then it's like I can, like, drop that in, and then I leave, and then while I'm gone, she's like, I've been watching Mad Men the whole time. It keeps her busy when I leave. It's fun. It's like book club. Yeah, you have something to talk about every (laughs) day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's great. Exactly that. Love it. That was succession for us, too. We, like, went crazy through that. And then, like, we also watched, like, tons of stuff about, like, what real-life families are like, Succession, and, you know, mm-hmm. like, videos about the Murdochs and stuff. Like, we got into it. Mm-hmm. And now we're actually, we, we're watching a ton of uh, YouTube videos about the accuracy of the costuming on the Gilded Age. Because at first, my mom was guffawing. She was like, there's no way people dress like a curtain. And I'm like, no, I think that was what, HBO is usually pretty accurate. Yeah. And, you know, they, they did... Uh, stretch a couple of years in before and after according to the experts to sort of get the whole story of the class system but i mean it's a they call it a costume drama for a reason we love that stuff sure sure especially the gays yeah, yeah. that's went, right uh, cynthia nixon in a curtain dress i mean come on sign me up Most all day are. all day cynthia nixon in the curtain love it now on the succession tip have you read unscripted about the redstone family Mm-mm. fascinating now, it's like, you know, we yeah. talk about the, the Murdochs and, you know, how they sort of have sure. uh, inspired the Roy family or whatever. But the the book, Unscripted, is about Sumner Redstone getting very old. And like any young woman who pretends to like him, he's just like, great, you're the CEO of this company now or whatever. And it's, uh, it, is, it is a real life story that is not dissimilar to Succession. And it's totally fascinating. Highly Like that Holly Hunter moment, like the Holly Hunter moment in Succession. No, where, okay. where she was like, she was like, I'm here with your father, oh. and I'm trying to make a good decision. And my decision might be to play with his penis. It might be to not play with his penis, but it has nothing to do if I'm going to see your baby. <laughs> oh. like, she was like, <laughs> I p- part of me was like, so I'm supposed to buy that Holly Hunter is sleeping with Logan Roy, but the other part of me is like, I fully buy that Holly Hunter is sleeping with Logan Roy. <laughs> Rogan, Rogan, in in some ways, Logan could get it. Um, yeah, Brian Cox is a hot. Older gentleman, I think he's got that he swagger. Yeah, he's got that swagger about him. Did you, you see? Know? There was a. Yeah. He was just rec- like have a heart attack on top of me, Grandpappy. You oh, know what come I mean? on now, please. <laughs> he was recently on the Tonight Show in a in what can only be be described as a tragic outfit. Did anyone see this? No, oh, no, no. Please describe. Let's see if I can find a picture. Maybe I'll put it in the chat. But it was. Uh, it, it's just. It was. It was like a, a stylist run amok. And and he it was like it was shiny and the pant was weird and it sit kind of strange and uh, and there was like exposed ankle and weird shoes and it was it just kind of felt like you know maybe exposed ankle right. talk about a shocker of the Gilded Age I, okay <laughs> hold on let me you don't see a lot of exposed ankle over like sixty you don't you know you don't. with the gentleman no. I should say. oh that's true he was wearing like a gentleman's clog. I you'll see in a moment. Sounds like it. Uh, and and we'll post it to our to our Instagram feed or whatever. Oh yeah, no, this course, is rough. This is rough, y'all. Here we go. I still say if it, am I if am it, I to look at something in the chat? Even I'm, before I'm saying this, okay. Before saying this, I just want to give credit to anybody, any man of a certain age that still causes some drama with a wardrobe. Sure. Like you know what I mean. Don't, don't be boring. Whatever this is, good for you. I, I don't know what I'm going to see, but. Mm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You might. You're saying reserve your judgments. Yeah, I would say that policy <laughs> might get reviewed 
after you see is this going to be like bjork swan dress gag around because like that gagged me like now like you know nobody could do anything but like that when that happened i was like what's happening what is happening yeah god bless her do you have you heard her new song with rosalia no no but i know that it exists and it has been on my radar it's uh it is called oral and it's about salmon fishing so it's like bjork is bjorking it up sure this year still bjork the bjork is bjorking Mm -hmm. God bless her. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm excited about talking about music release is Sade has an album. Ooh. Oh, wow. That Have we heard? I have heard that she has an album coming out next year and a tour the following oh. year. And I am living. I am like living for this album. Like that doesn't exist yet. It's kind of like I feel like one of my nieces or nephews are being born. Wow. Like I cannot wait for this album. Yeah. It's yeah. That's really exciting. I'm trying to picture what Sade looks like now. And Gorgeous. She is someone who's per- perpetually 45 and flawless. Like she was mm-hmm. 45 mm-hmm. in the 90s. She's 45 now. Yeah. And she's perfect. Oh my God. Isn't she like, she's like Caribbean and, and British and like, she's like got a trans child and she's just a consistent badass. I just love her. You know? Okay. So she's everything. So get this. Want. I just uh, got to interview Gary Kemp from Spandau Ballet for another thing, which we'll talk about when it gets closer. But he told the story of, in the early day, in like the early eighties in London, Spandau Ballet was kind of part of this like sort of new wavy kind of scene and whatever. And they they uh, put on a show at the club where they were a house band, and they hired a bunch of models to uh, to just show up. And some friends of theirs were in a band called Pride, and they were like they had just lost their lead singer, and they're like we're looking for a lead singer. And one of the models was like, I sing a little bit. Do you mind if I try out? And it was Sade. She just was like a model who was like, hey, let me let me give it a try and like has that voice. She's just so sharp. And you're being chased by a Pac-Man, Danny Francine, by the way. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Lots going on. Um, I have all of my phone notifications turned to video game sounds so they don't annoy me. Okay. As a matter of fact, this this, that was actually timely because my mom. Okay. My mom, my brother Mm -hmm. and sister, they are like a hive mind. So when I'm home in Fort Lauderdale and I'm with them, they're all like, what are you eating for dinner? Oh, I'm on my way to work. Like, they're constantly in communication. Like, remember those chirp phones? They'd be chirping each other all day if that was still around, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like one, like the phone system's like a walkie-talkie. So I got so annoyed from my mom's ringer. I couldn't take it anymore that I changed it to a Sade song. Ooh. Oh, God. And yeah, it's you're like, never going to yeah, be annoyed by a Sade song. Ne- it plays all the time. And every time it comes on, it's like, you know, is this a crime? I'm like, yes. Ah! Yeah. And it's like, it never gets boring. No. Never. Can I, okay, can I just reenact something that that just happened in my life? Please. My uh, my mom, she's 91. She took a spill a couple months ago. So she was she was like in a, in a rehab for a, a bit. She's home now. But in that rehab, they had bingo once a day. And, and a lot of the people- Sounds like a dream already. Terrific. I love playing bingo. And, uh, but, you know, a lot of the people in this rehab are old and not 100% with it. And old people in general tend to not know when their phone is ringing or uh, how to turn it mm-hmm. off. So before bingo, the, the person who was running it was like, um, and th- so this is, this is what happened. And this is how it sounded. Is, um, uh, I, some of you all know Mary in 204. Um, Mary is going to die. Uh, she is in, uh, uh, it's, it's in palliative care. She could die today. It could be two weeks, but, but her, uh, her children are there saying goodbye. And, uh, if you'd like to stop by 204, uh, she has not regained consciousness and she's not expected to, but they say that 
she, you know, does understand what people are saying. So again, Mary is going to die. Uh, and like nobody fucking, first of all, nobody was like, oh, is that my phone? And also nobody, it was like, you know, it was sort of old people who were just, you know, 10% out of it. And like, I was looking around like, is nobody, does nobody notice that the, the funniest thing that's ever happened is happening right now? Nobody noticed but me. Oh my God. I just saw Brian Cox's outfit. Mm-hmm. This just in. Okay. Oh yeah. This just in. What in, I mean, what in the, in the peanut butter patent leather? What? In is that five peanut butter pants? Never seen someone look more uncomfortable in pants. Yeah. That is like, I mean, that is like a camel toe and a moose knuckle. It's like every every joint of the it's, animal. Kingdom it's every animal on. and it's every just all wrong joint or phalange. It's bad news. Wow, it's bad. Wow, I bet you standing up, it wasn't horrible, but sitting down. You gotta down. try these yeah. things sitting down, though. You gotta, you gotta try. You have to try it sitting here. down. Listen, yeah. you, people who are here who might be on the Tonight Show, sit down in it. Yeah, that's what I always say. Yeah, yeah. Any show, sit down Any in it, baby. Place with chairs. Try it out. Try it out in a chair. People try to sell me things all the time. I can't sit down, and I'm telling you, as a bigger guy, I get sold. Like I had a, I don't want to name the retailer, but I had a. They're like, we'll make you a free suit, custom to you. I'm like, let's do it, and I looked great in it. Standing up, sitting down, it was horrible. Yeah, rough stuff. I mean, I don't mind every once in a while looking like I'm smuggling a banana in my pants, but seven bananas on each thigh, I don't know. No. It's like not it. Yeah, and it's just like there is a, a point at which the the rise of the, the pant hem when you sit down mm-hmm. is ridiculous. It's like I'm fine if it rides up a little bit. Well, that's when you do like the – it turns yeah. into <laughs> – and a that's full you do, culotte. Like, the the yeah. culotte. And you do the Nathan Lane. Like you wear a pink sock. So you can be like one does one a hint of color, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's a, right. It's a moment, but not. That's what Brian Cox was missing. Yeah. He, he, he's missing more of the Brian and less of, you know. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Danny, what did you grow up obsessed with pop culture wise? Like what were the posters on your bedroom walls if you had them? What were you listening to? What were you watching? I think it was weird that I liked Right Said Fred and RuPaul and didn't know that that was like, why did I like that stuff? Like, I mean, just unbelievable how we gravitate towards it. Definitely Bette Midler, for sure. Mm. Anything she did, I wanted to see. I don't know if I wanted to be her, I wanted her to be my mom. I couldn't figure it out. And specifically, the furniture style of Bette Midler's characters in her movies, the that Philadelphia style of furniture, Memphis, sorry, the Memphis style of furniture where it's like really primary colors and like a lot of geometric, crazy, squiggly shapes and things. I was all, I'm still about that. My house still has elements of Memphis in it. For some reason, I thought that that was like the ultimate elite life. Like, yeah. you know, how her character in Beaches when her apartment was or how her character in Ruthless oh, People's yeah. apartment was. Like that furniture that's also art. Like I didn't understand mm-hmm. that Delia Deeds, like, like her crazy sculpture room in Beetlejuice. I was like, and? Right. I was like, I was like, that's, that's correct. I was like, how? Cor- I was like, that deck with the with the facade of the house in the front, like that is chic as AF, and like, <laughs> really you're is. you're all wrong. You know what I mean? So you're so right. I'm watching Beaches as a kid. I obviously was obsessed with it, but when we have the like scene where Barbara Hershey comes to her house and is so horrified by her like new money aesthetic, I was like, what is the problem? 
The Sign me up for new money all day. Yeah. I go to the Getty. I go to the Getty Villa. The villa is beautiful, but I want to like hang a bunch of street art in it. I don't want to look at that permanent collection. It's like dusty pottery. Like I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't care about a chair. I don't care about a seventeenth-century chair. Like I could get the beauty of it for like maybe like a millisecond. I actually, I was at someone's house who had a million-dollar couch once. They had a million-dollar Louis, like whatever seventeenth-century, and I was just like. Your dog's still peeing on it. Like your dog's laying on it right oh. there. Like it's still a million. Do- like it does to me. It wasn't it. That sounds you know? disgusting. It sounds gross. It was. It was. It was weird. It wasn't gross, but it was not it. No, sis, as the kids say. I want to get back it. to Bette Midler. What? It, like, because I too, when I saw her as a kid, was just like, what's what's she got going on? Like, what's what's happening there? I was intrigued before I even was aware. That she has has a you know connection with her gay audience or whatever. There is something that like strikes a chord in people around the world. Well, gay people around the world. Uh, what is it, Danny? Define I've it. studied it and tried to to pinpoint it truly because I think that the closer I get to that answer is the closer I could find out what my inner child really is all about. Mm-hmm. But I think it was the fact that Bette Midler's characters were the way queer people should be. They were, she was, they were loud and wearing whatever they wanted to do. They were funny. They were opinionated. They were the most grounded. Usually she didn't really play, even though she might've played people that might've been a little out of touch with reality due to their own self grandoise kind of way. But she was not someone who was delusional. She was like, what do you mean? That's disgusting. I don't like this. Like she spoke Mm -hmm. her mind. She was sexy still while doing it kind of. And like also had talent at the end of the day, she could drop it. all, give her a mic and, Almost all her characters can kind of wail, you know. Yeah. She was like never, even when she was the victim in things like Ruthless People or um, Down Down Beverly Hills, she still wasn't. She was like, "Oh, you better watch out for don't don't count her out." You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, man, I love that movie, Ruthless People. I just even Danny DeVito in there. Oh yeah, Barbara, you're alive! Like I just <laughs> that movie also. Ruthless People opened with an animated opening sequence, which uh, which has always been something that has been uh, so intriguing to me. Soap Dish, all these movies that had these really, yeah. uh, Lover Boy had these really Grease. great animated sequences. Grease, yes, but those ones I was specifically calling out, they were all Memphis design drawings. Oh, and oh, and, and And still kind of pulled me into that. Like, I love the one for Soap Dish. I mean... Soap Dish is one of my favorite movies of all time, but I think that if you're gay and you haven't seen Soap Dish, you should. And if you don't know what I'm talking about and you watch it all the time, you should watch the the, the opening credits to that. It's they're so good. Each one it's details so the character like a little bit. It'll show like Whoopi Goldberg's glasses, and then like this one's martini glass, and it kind of gives you a little a, a, allude to what the character or the story is going to be. I mean, when I direct a movie one day, I, like a feature, I'm definitely going to have an animated opening sequence. Oh, you must. It's it's a lost art. Time yeah, I it miss back. it. I miss it. Especially when it's a comedy and you're like, oh, we're sitting in the popcorn's getting ready and we're going to be able to enjoy this. You know, I might even go back to one of my first original like favorite comedies. It's a mad, mad, mad world. Ugh. Like that. Like I loved that movie. And that had an opening sequence, I believe, that was animated. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I just... Yeah, I just always thought that that was like, oh, we're getting ready for a really good movie right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. God damn, I loved that. That would be on like you know the channel thirty or whatever once a year, and it was like a holiday, mm-hmm. just a perfect dumb movie. It was something that like you know um, when we had the VHS tapes and you had like one tape or something or whatever you taped was that you watched over and over again, yeah. and 
my my grandmother and my dad both had that on tape. So no matter whose house I was at, they could put it on at any point and I'd watch that movie. I think that movie was a huge part of my upbringing. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, this is actually pictures of me like at first grade or younger and my brother falling into the pool yelling, it's a mad, mad, mad world, pretending we were like in the, in a scene where they all fall in the fountain at the end of the movie. Yes. Um, yeah, like just just such a part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, so we know, what you know something Sorry. about. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it's time to move off that Midler. But uh, something that I feel the need to confess about her is that a thing I've always pretended to sort of understand. And I I don't I just have sort of like vague, vague imagery floating around is Bathhouse Betty. Just the words Bathhouse Betty, the title, like. Was she performing in bathhouses? Oh, yeah. And if so, yes. what does that mean? Yes. So, th- so that's like if you went into like the steam room, but she's there. Singing. And Barry Manilow is so playing back, the piano. Yeah, Barry Manilow. While guys playing. are giving each other. No, it was like the commons room kind of. Sure, I'm sure some things were going on, but they used to have like a really big like pool in the center. Mm-hmm. You know, like of all these places, and then the rooms and all of that stuff were in the back. Some of them were multi floors and. The guys would like hang in the pool or all sit in the commons area and like watch her and she would perform. They'd have like number numbers and or comedians or whatever. And she got mm-hmm. a following going. It kind of was almost like the movie cabaret. Like she had like a cabaret situation happening. People would sit there and watch her and smoke a joint and then like hang out and then go off and do whatever, you know. Yeah. And for years, that's what gave her her following. She, she built up like this underground New York City. There's an amazing video on YouTube of her singing in the baths yeah. if you look it up. Oh, I got to see it. And if you really watch it with like critical eyes, it's so powerful. Her singing, she, she's just like raw in her performance in a place where, you know, it was supposed to be dark and nobody cared about. It and they thought that everybody was trash there. And then, then she's there giving them like a Hollywood Bowl level show, like in her, you know, in her youth. And, you know, she's someone who just like, I, I admire her because she clawed her way to the top a lot of the times. You know, she was. I think her first role when she was young, she was Yenta playing the old lady in Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway. She got like a gig like in her early 20s playing an old lady because she was so funny and so good. And I think from there, it's just like, you know, she's I mean, if you watch The Rose, it's the closest to her. I think Mm -hmm. that any of her roles really are all of that funny brass. I'm sure that's all a part of her, too. But I think she's really just a raw performer who just likes to, you know, she's good at comedy. She's good at acting. She's good at singing. And she wants to put it all into like one thing when she does her shows. They're amazing. I mean, more audiences should be in towels uh, doing poppers. Don't you think? I'm from, See, I grew up in Fort yeah. Lauderdale. That's how it goes. Like, See, okay. I mean, it just sounds so cool. Let's get into it. Fort Lauderdale, sort of, you know, bear capital of the United States of America. Yeah. How do you balance family life and, you know, Fort Lauderdale culture? And nightlife? Yeah. I mean, my family's they're all in bed by 10 anyway, okay. and that's like when I go out. Okay. So it's like it kind of works out for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, and I go see all the theater and all the culture and stuff. And to that stuff, I take all the nibblings. I take my nieces and like I we go to the museums and we go do all those plays and all the musicals. And I would, you know, now that they have the I, I would like to take them to see more drag. But, you know, they had that drag band going on for a while, like where you couldn't have kids. Yeah, around. I've heard people very uptight about it. Um, and the, especially in that area, like I was at the uh very drag christmas thing with jimbo and silky and and crystal method and all these other queens jasmine kennedy who all were performing that the the one DeSantis complained about saying they were i was there 
And, the, you know, some guy got up and filmed and said, there's kids here, blah, blah, blah. But who he filmed was a, a young lady who, who was like in her 30s who had de- developmental disability, potentially. Like she was a disabled girl who like was just look, appeared younger than she was. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like pretending like there was some, you know, and honestly, the, the most salacious thing was Jimbo did like uh, Rudolph the Red Nippled Reindeer. <laughs> like, it's just silly. Like, if you're 16 and you can't handle that, like, are you crazy? Like, with the stuff that's on TV and the way comedy goes and everything else, like, it wasn't like there was like nine year olds there, you know? If a high school kid who's a fan of the show wants to, and their parent takes them and we're a company, I don't see a problem with any of that. And obviously, they're like, you know, uh, trying to frame it to be something it wasn't. But it's unfortunate because gay people are fleeing South Florida. And I think that it should really be the opposite. I'm going to go by there this year because I'm trying to say we should move back. We should be voting those people out. Why why should they have the Sandy B? It's the same thing I do on my podcast. My podcast is this whole thing where like people gatekeep Christianity. They say, oh, this is the best book in the world. This is like the greatest thing in the world. This is the moral value core of everything. This is all the greatest life's lessons, but you're gay, so get away from it. You can't have it. Like, bullshit. I want to, like, mine out the good things and let it be accessible to people. It's the same thing with Florida. Don't pick the best beaches, you know, comparatively. I mean, even better than California because you have that continental shelf that makes everything freezing. The water there is all Caribbean water. It's the best ocean in our state. And you say, oh, we can't go there because we're gay? Like, no, I'm getting oceanfront property. Like, screw you. Like, we need to reclaim our spaces and reclaim our things back. Like, People can't tell us we can't have anything anymore. We're we're not like dumb with media to that point anymore where we have to believe that. We have it's the information age. We should know that it could be anything. And Fort Lauderdale is Fort Daddy Dale. I do love it for that reason. Fort Daddy Dale. Explain. Mm-hmm. Let's Well, Palm Springs, I think like it's like 85, you know, like 65 to 85. Uh Fort Lauderdale is more like 35 to 55. Ooh. So it's like if you're in your 40s, like me, you're like in your 20s again. It's really great. That's exciting. I'm like a young spring chicken out there. That's exciting. <laughs> oh, nothing better than that. I feel so cool to be young, young again, uh, but not in a place where like you're really like the youngest person too at the same time. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like it doesn't have like, even though I love Palm Springs, it's got some nursing home vibes. Sure. Like this is not as much that. This is more like, you know, some guy's like successful businessman has three houses and he's like almost 60. I'm like, yeah, sign me up for that. Great. Yeah, like I'm like, <laughs> um, you mentioned the podcast. Let's let's get into that. So, yes, Jesus, faith and sexuality affirming. It's a sort of the idea that you don't have to pick between gay and God. You co-host with uh, Azaria Southworth. Azariah, yes, Azariah. Azariah, sorry, thank you. So, talk to us about your experience in the church. Your young person in in a Pentecostal church, right? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church. My parents converted from Catholicism to Christianity, and my old school, like, off-the-boat Italian grandparents did not go for that, you know. Uh, they named me Daniel without a middle name because Daniel means God is my judge. So I guess I've always grown up with, like, this core system of values that came from the church, that came from, an, like, an, like, a good people-type church that are very judgy. It was a Brooklyn, New York, Italian Christian church. So, like, you know. I always say, like, my parents are Brooklyn Italian Christian, which is a little weird because they're like, hey, fuck you on Friday. And then they're like, you know, praise God on Sunday. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I just kind of like normalcy where they weren't like puritanical in that way, you know, um, in a lot of ways. Some ways they were and in other ways they weren't. Um, I put myself into conversion therapy around 20 because oh. as we're learning about our gender spectrum and our sexuality spectrum and how beautiful and intricate the prism of our rainbow colors can be, um, I was bi-romantic and homosexual. So 
I think I could I could fall in love with a woman. I wanted to maybe kiss her and be around her. And I saw my future with her, but I just couldn't get it past a certain point that I was in love fully or wanted to have sex. Whereas like when I finally had a relationship with a man, I'm like, ding, like this makes sense. You know, I think it's weird because and one thing I ask when it comes to where I'm at now is like, you know, people say, how could you I put myself into conversion therapy and I got out of it. And people say, well, how could you go to conversion therapy and still believe in God? And I'm like, I couldn't have survived conversion therapy without God. Like, these are people trying to tell me that I wasn't God's creation, do you know? And like, and then the other thing is like, we are a species who worships. We are like human beings worship. If you look at like the cavemen worship the fire and, you know, the Mayans worship the sun or whatever. It's like, we all like we're worshipers. So it's like, if we're not worshiping a higher power or we're not, in tune with the higher power, then what are we worshiping? And I think it's a huge red herring and it's a huge level of egregious discrimination to tell an entire group of people that they don't have access to something that most of civilization has used as a, a, a ground to build a foundation. And then for me, as a person who had this whole foundation, my whole life is like bringing me up and making me who I was and then telling me I can't have it. That's a, I mean, that really puts a lot of queer people off access. And I think it, I think especially when like their families are excluding them and, and society's ostracizing them. And then now they're told that their core value system, their creator, their higher power doesn't want anything to do with them. I mean, it leads to, you know, a lot of misinformation and a lot of disassociation with moral viral co- uh, moral codes. And at the same time, I also believe that sex work is work. I believe that God made sex. It should feel good. We're like super sex positive on the show. We're completely non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in Bible studying. I believe in Bible wondering. Like we are like trying to figure it out. Like we're like, well, what's the good stuff in here? And why can it be applicable to gay people? We want it too. Like if I asked you, Matt, like what, like if you had a fire, you know, or Dave, like what, like, and, and like, what would be like your favorite thing? If you could just take one thing, it doesn't matter if it was close by or whatever, but if you could take one thing, what would you want to take? Well, my dog. Does that count? Oh God. Okay. Yeah, sure. Your dog. What's your dog's name? Uh, Finn. Okay, Finn. And what about you, Matt? Like, what's the one thing you'd want to take? Your famous prize? My you... phone. No, I don't know. Sure, I, your I, phone. I, my, 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 sure. my dog was still with me, yeah. Sure, your phone. Can I have your phone right now if I asked you for it? Or can I have your dog? Like, you'd be like, no. Yeah. Like, that's like one of my most... Yeah, but but not. but when we're gay, they just take your God away from you? Well, it just makes mm-hmm. no sense. Yeah. It makes no sense how your most favorite, most prized thing... You, no, you can't have my Louis Vuitton backpack. No, you can't have Finn. No, you can't have... My phone, no, you can't have, but someone says, can I have your God? And you're like, yeah, bye. Like, and this whole thing. Yeah. It, and I, and it's just, it's just like, man, you thought we just wanted marriage. No, like equality means the ability to be able to like walk into a tax exempt church and be able to have a vibration with a higher power. Yeah. Like, and I think that it's going to take our allies. And this is where the uh, rebel rousing comes with Azariah and I, because we're also disruptors. We're, you know, not just like, you, you know, um, and like we don't just sit idly by and watch organized religion stomp on queer people. And I think it's like our allies are going to some of these churches where the pastors are really friendly. They have a gay couple holding hands and sitting in the front row. But when you look at who's paying the pastor's check and what the bigger organization is like to find out the clarity of that and see if they are gay affirming because those gay, gay couples holding hands in the front row can't rise to roles of leadership, can't become ushers or spiritual leaders. If they have a child, the child can't attend the day school. Like there's a lot of little rules there yeah. that, you know, just like these antiquated stigma laws against people with HIV or other LGBTQ laws that we have in our country. There's a lot of little things in organized religion that ostracize queer folks. 
And that leads to addiction, that leads to homelessness, that leads to suicide, that leads to filling the spiritual hole with anything else. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because I think queer people are still weirded out and cringed about religion. They don't, there's too much church hurt. They think it's like kind of creepy to like sit there and pray with your hands up to God, but they'll faint for Beyonce, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or they'll like clamor each other to get their ass on the next uh, shoe or purse that comes out. And I think they've tricked us. Like they've tricked us into thinking that we are unwanted by God, to thinking that we are sinful, to thinking that we don't deserve it and ha- and have us looking at other things. I think it's just like when the government tries to make everyone be afraid of something, whatever it is, it's because fearful people are obedient people. And I feel like having us, have, having the gays uh, go away from religion, it's going to make us qu- question how they run shit. Yeah. If there's too many gays in the church, they're going to start saying, is your church affirming? Why don't we give to the AIDS walk? Why don't? And then they don't want that shit. Yeah. And yeah. the crazy thing is half of them don't even believe it anymore. Most of them are gay affirming. But the problem is that it's politicized so much. They make so much money off of it. Like it's, it's kind of like guns against gays. And the money is, they put the money is where the mouth is. You know, the guns are donating to the church. The gays aren't. Yeah. It's the, um, the thing that sticks out to me, the more that I think about it and the older I get is, is the idea that individually people in churches might, you know, treat a, a, a gay person with kindness, but the deeper belief, whether, whether it's like explicit in the head or not, is that the, the queer person has no ability to be moral or virtuous. You know what I mean? Like it's here's the problem. Everybody's fucking Dave. Everyone that's is. The thing. Cavemen did it. Oh, of course. Everyone's doing the same. My I had an elderly uh, gay uncle who, like, around eighty nine or something. I think I was in my twenties. Said he was like, "You kids think you invented everything? We stuck it in every hole before you did." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like everything was the same. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the media made you think different. The fifties was selling some kind of image of America that they wanted. They wanted the rest of the world after World War II to think we were yeah. not what we were. Right. It wasn't leave it to beaver. Everyone was still saying fucking getting drunk every night. So it's like, you know, now that we're in this age where we can kind of uncover all this shit. Look, we've me tooed everybody. Yeah. We've drained the swamp in that regard. We've like, you know, we've had a lot. We've realized, okay, we can't say that's so gay or we can't uh, rap the N word or we can't, you know, we've come to term or we can't say, hey, sweetheart at work. And we've realized, okay, we took it to the point of like political ra- correctness to almost the point of all of us wanting to throw up like. So even where even the most sensitive person was like, okay, it's not that bad. Like we've gone that far. So now it's like, we have to pull back another way and say, what are we missing? Like, what actually are we talking about here? And I think one of the things is organized religion. Like it needs to be all encompassing. It needs to be all accepting, or it needs to go away. Like, and I think connections with a higher power need to increase within the queer community. I mean, honestly, I went a lot. I'm glad I'm at world of wonder now because world of wonder has been inspiring to me in that way because I went to uh, the Drag Race finale and everyone was dressed to the frigging nines and screaming for the queens. And it was excellent. I mean, I was screaming along with them. I loved it. But I was with Azariah and we're both grew up, you know, Pentecostal. And I'm like, this is church. Yeah. Like this could be every Sunday with all the same people. Like if we had some kind of movement, we could all be here being just being in, in, being in a state of gratitude for for. for all the stuff that's happening in our life and dressing to the nines and having fun every weekend and having our own fellowship and our own things. It doesn't have to be heteronormative. It could be this fierce. We could have a drag queen perform every Sunday at church. And I think that people don't, that's why we're like yassifying faith. We want to like 
there are gay stories in the Bible. That's the part that I can't shut up about, about the barbecue, that I sound like a holy roller, even though I really don't consider myself to be one. But, like, there's so many. The love story of David and Jonathan is excellent. Like, if any person likes to read, period, read First Samuel, and you'll read the gayest, sexiest love story ever. And it's right there on the pages. Like, I, you don't have to make up a word or put a perspective on it. It's there. And, and it's been straight washed all these years that, you know, and then, um, there's the story of, of uh, Ruth and Naomi who are daughter-in-law and mother-in-law, but the son and all the children died many years and they stayed together and they stayed together and they were an alternative family and she converted for her and they stayed together. And that's a great example for lesbians. Like, you know, why not have the example? Then there's Joseph and the Technicolor dream coat in 46 AD, the original translation of coat was a ketanet pasim, which meant a virginal princess dress, which was only brought one other, up one other time in the Bible at Tamar's wedding. So Joseph was wearing a dress, which is why Joseph got beat up. And whenever we hear the story in the Bible or the musical, they always say that the brothers were jealous of the coat. But then why did they rip it up and pour lamb's blood on it? I want, I want to know answers to these questions. And I want to ask scholars these kind of questions because Joseph could technically be a gender queer. He was gender queer, in my opinion, or at least... He could have been a trans person of color, or at least as a great perspective for one to bring them closer to God. So why alienate queer people and tell them that their stories aren't in the Bible when this is clearly a story that's like that in the Bible? And I think it does a disservice to the Bible not to open it up to everyone. If you want to talk about intersex people, or you want to talk about trans folks, there's a eunuch and eunuchs in the time were castrated because they were too close to the queen and they were afraid that potentially if they got the queen impregnated that they could take over a whole kingdom, you know? So they were often, they were not allowed to vote and they were treated like second class citizens. They were made fun of a lot. And Paul, after Christ died, was talking to a eunuch and the eunuch was like, well, would Jesus want me to be baptized right now? Is there anything about me that, that would say that, that your God would say I couldn't be baptized? And Paul was like, no. And he's like, then baptize me right here. And he did. So there's an affirming story of an intersex person or a person who has a quote unquote, mutilated genitals, whatever you want to, you know, I'm trying to speak on their fucking language. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the entire thing is like, there's an example. Why not set these examples? When, when, when Pulse happened, my whole life changed. Like I, when the Pulse shooting happened, because at the time I was engaged to a Puerto Rican dancer and it was Puerto Rican, a lot of Puerto Rican dancers that were killed and, and involved. And it was, it was a Latin night at the club and like, it just hit too close to home. And I was inconsolable and I looked online for a prayer for LGBTQ community because I needed something to say because I didn't have words and there was not one. And I'm like, this is bullshit. All the stuff they got to say about us, the Christians don't have one prayer for us. So now we have the prayer at the end of every episode and a prayer from a drag queen at the end of every episode. And it's like a way to like, now we have, I don't know, almost 200 episodes. So it's like, now we have 200 prayers out there that just exist in the ether. You know, and I think that that's what's important. It's not about like, and we we're interfaith. We we've had people on the show of all different faiths come and talk. We interviewed a gay rabbinical student in his yeshiva in Jerusalem for Yash Jesus. Like we are like out there, and we're trying to find everyone's faith journey and faith story. It's not about like saying we are Christian in the way that we follow the teachings of Christ, but we're agnostic in the way that we know that we don't know the answer to everything. Do I really think God put two bed bugs on the ark? No. Like, mm -hmm. but like, what does that story mean? Why is it a why, why was it told all these years? And how is it applicable to queer people? Let's throw a rainbow lens on this and see how it's applicable. And I, I honestly think that my definition of talent is God shining a light on you. And when you use that gift, you are reflecting it so other people can bask in it. 
So like when we see Beyonce at like amphitheater, like she's putting in so much hard work that she's making her reflective surface bigger from the work that she puts into the talent that was given her. So when the light shines on her, she could do a whole stadium. And she's representing dancers that could do their thing and as backup singers that do their thing that all have their mirrors shining at this amphitheater. And that's why the whole stadium gets light. And it's kind of like, yes, Jesus, we're hitting this little prismatic light that's hitting a dark, dark, dusty corner that never gets light. And it's small, but it, the light that's happening there, I'm seeing green grow and I'm seeing stuff happen over there that's never happened in that corner. There's activity and we're giving life to a corner of people that needed to hear it. And every week we get letters and stuff of people saying that they do it. So I can't stop it no matter how, like, because it's like, I can't shut the water supply off. Like, and it's like, it's this whole thing now that's like bigger than me. And I love it um, because I'm still confused. I'm still wondering. I'm still doubtful, but I'm faithful. And I think a lot of people are so, I mean, I don't know. It's trauma is trauma. You know, I have a friend right now is dating someone who had their innocence compromised and their sexual relationship is so difficult because that person's been through so much trauma. And I think about it all the time and I'm praying for them and I just don't know how to fix something like that because that person has been so traumatized they don't want to be touched. And But they're in love. But they just don't, that, that sexual part of them is turned off due to their trauma. And I feel like the spiritual part of us is so hurt. It's so turned off due to all the trauma. I don't know if everybody wants to be touched that way. But I have to have this kind of conversation uh, that this is a loving space. This is something that we're trying to just like open up to be able, you're allowed to ask questions. Like you're allowed to wonder. Like you have to agree that if it's the number one book being sold in the world, if kingdoms are fought, uh, fought for it, if people are dying for it, like that there's got to be some good to this text. So we're mining out the good stuff for our people. We're, we're like pulling it out for the queer people and, and trying to give it to them in a way that's palatable and, and re represents them, mm -hmm. honors them, like accepts them for whoever they are, you know, and then talking about all the bullshit too talking about how these colleges are like abusing these kids almost because once they get behind their private doors you don't even know what goes behind there and they have no say and how the catholic church is the number one real estate owner in the world and the only thing i ever need to tell you about organized religion period is that if they gave up their taxes and status they'd solve world hunger yeah and i don't have all of these things to tell you I, I, the clobber passages how things like sodom and gomorrah have been twisted against us but has very little to do with it lgbtq people in that story that story is about other things and it has so much more to say about heterosexuality and parenting and, and 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 urban planning than it does about queer people but they named the literal sex act after us they're attacking us this is an attack and none of us are fighting back we're just laying down and let it happen you know and i'll tell you right now the way we fought the aids crisis is the way we need to fight organized religion like it's it it, 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 it shapes our politics it shapes everything that we do Organized religion is like I know as being an AIDS activist for many years now with Elizabeth Hill AIDS Foundation, almost a decade that like it is coming on a decade this next year that have been doing this, that like they don't even allow needle exchange programs in certain states because of religion. And those are proven to lower rates of HIV, HIV transmission. So this isn't logic we're dealing with. OK, and, and, and spirituality is accessible to you. And. Man, people will just believe in anything else but God. They'll pray to rocks. They'll, you know, pray to the stars. They'll they'll uh, they'll make Gaga their God. You know, even Beyonce came out with that song where she had to be like, I I'm I walk on water, but I'm not Jesus. Like, get it together. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like because people are putting too much on celebrity as uh, uh, because we're a worshiping society. Yeah, I want to. I want to. And and when you, Danny, what what is prayer to you? What does prayer 
look like? Or- it's a meditate. It's a meditative vibration. It, it it goes in with it goes in with um the secret and with the law of attraction. It's a gift that we have as human beings to be able to access things and manifest things by 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 sitting on them and by and by vibrating on them with a higher power. We are allowed to ask for anything. We are allowed to talk about anything. We can pray things away. And it's been proven that like time and time again, that if you talk to a plant, it grows. If you yell, I hate you, I hate you in a jar of white rice and I love you, I love you in another one, one molds and the other doesn't. Vibrating on a higher power, getting to get praying for your loved ones, being thankful over your food, having a meditative, thoughtful moment in connection with something bigger than you is humbling. It is ego diffusing. It, it's, it's manifesting. It is prayer has power. And people create thoughts and prayers all day online and then not actually pray. And then it won't have power. But sitting down and actually having a meditative moment where you're vibrating and thinking about something and trying to make, make a change in yourself or in other people works. Yeah. And time and time again, I mean, you could even look, um, I don't know, Matt, were you, I don't even remember it because it's long, but were you in my Chilean minor musical too? I can't remember. Like, no. We only did that one night, but I did. A, I wrote a musical about. We, we did the musical uh, Chilean minor musical, and there were so many guys in it because thirty three guys were in the mine, right? So it was all about like those miners that got trapped in the mine in Chile, and they all survived. So it was okay to kind of make a little fun of it. And um, anyway, it was about this guy Yanni Barrios, who in the, when he when he was in the mine, his wife and mistress met at a candlelit vigil, and he didn't want to come out. It was a true story. He like was the last one out because he was afraid to deal. Oh with yeah. Yeah, so, um, but the tr- one of the true things while researching it is every single man out of the 33 had PTSD from being trapped in the mine except for the priest. I think that, ha- like, I, I think just having faith and having a center can get you through so much. And the amount of stress and the amount of anguish and the amount of adversity that, we, that queer people have to put up against and not to do that with a higher power, it's kind of interesting. We've all adapted without it, you know? One analogy I like to use recently that I kind of came up with is like Ikea furniture. Like, so like, uh, there's like Ikea hackers that say, Oh, if you get a flugenflagen and a flippenflippen and you put them together, you can make this new dresser and people are like hacking Ikea parts to make f- different kinds of furniture. I think it's so awesome. And I think that's what queer people have done with life without God. We have flugenflagen and fle- we've, we had all the pieces and we kind of put it all together on our own. And actually we're efficient. We're working. We're fine. Everything's great. But now we're like, wait a minute. Can I just see the directions to the fluke and flarkin? Because maybe I'm put. Maybe I could get something else out of this. Like mm-hmm. there are life lessons and there's directions and there's stuff in that. I mean, one of the things that, are, that sticks with me is always clear your name of all your debts. Like you know, there's just like lessons in the Bible, things that tell you how to, you know, that remind you and that guide you that they're saying we don't have access to. And to that, I say fuck you. Hey. I want. I want to see it. I want to see what you're hiding. What can't we have? And I want to take it out. I want to from I want to pick it up at the Goodwill, clean it off, put a little gold leaf on it, and sell it back to my queer people for them. Because fuck you, you've had it too long, and you're not sharing it, and you're saying it's everything, but we can't have it. No, Danny Franzisi. <laughs> I, you my know. God, you've taken us to church and back. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I look, mean, can we end well, on a prayer? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we can. <laughs> so, Danny, would you yeah. like to lead uh, the prayer? Sure. Father God, we come to you right now, like together. And um, in the Bible, it says if three, if two more people get together, that you will be in our presence. So you're here on the podcast with us. And I just really want to say, please protect my queer people. Please cover them. Give them 
glasses that they could see the truth and let them decide for themselves what is for them and what is for not. They could try to burn our books. They could try to stop our performances. They could try to silence us. But you've given us a voice for a reason and you've given us a mind and you've given us a core and a center value for a reason. And I just hope that we could lift up our community of siblings out there of LGBTQ plus IA2 spirit folk. And hopefully they can all feel comfortable enough and welcome enough and smart enough to look forward and find answers for themselves. Amen. 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 Mm. Oh, Danny. Danny I didn't think I'd so be praying today, much. but like, what? How like, could we okay. not? How could we not? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. I know it sounds crazy. And I know that part of me feels like I might lose work because of behaving this way or that people will think a certain thing about me because don't don't make a mistake. I could still suck a golf ball through a garden hose. But my point is, I think that we could be multifaceted human Absolutely. beings. And I think that everyone deserves a right to have access to everything, regardless of what they're doing. The real thing that they're afraid of, and I'd like to close on this because I know I'm overgoing, mm. but the real thing that they're afraid of is just that they're going to be attracted to it. Like if I'm mm. sitting, I'm a human being, and if I'm sitting in a hotel room and I hear two straight people having sex or two lesbians having sex, I don't want to get involved, but I'm, I might get bricked up on it because it's like two humans are enjoying themselves. And it's like, I think they're afraid when they see two men doing it, that it gets them real, real nervous. And you know that because how many guys who have called a guy a faggot or beat a guy up for being gay have masturbated to lesbian porn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are the questions. These are the questions. Yeah. So. These are the questions. No question. Yes, Jesus, wherever you get your podcasts. No, at WOW Podcasts. Wow at WOW Podcasts, podcast, especially. Well, I mean, yeah. Of course. No, but of course, yes, wherever you get your podcasts. Love it. Thank you. Danny, Danny. thank you so much. Thank you all. I appreciate you. I really do. And I, I actually really have a great affinity and uh, adore both of you. Uh, we adore you. Likewise. And that is our show. Please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at homophiliapod. Homophilia is a World of Wonder production. Music by Ben Wise. Our executive producer is Renee Colvert. Our associate producer is Jess Walensky. And our audio engineer is Justin Matson. Many thanks to Michael Pressman and everyone at World of Wonder.